Hello, everybody. My name is Nicole Kaplan, and I'm the host of this podcast, Life's a Mom. So I'm going to read something that I thought was hysterical. I don't even remember where I saw it, but I wrote it down. Um, and maybe you'll find it funny because I can definitely relate to this. I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate, but here it goes. <laughs> I'd love to be a Pinterest mom, but it turns out I'm more of an Amazon Prime mom. Now, like I said, it could be unfortunate that I can relate to this, but the amount of Amazon purchases I do in a month, it's, it's, I don't even know what number to give you because it's so many. Um, and some of the times there's actually, I guess I have to share this. My husband might kill me or not, but, um, (laughs) when we get so many boxes, I'm not talking about like three or four or five. I'm talking about like, sometimes it could be like 20 boxes. I'm, I wish I was kidding. Um, maybe I have a problem, but, um, one day my husband came home and I left the boxes outside and he brought all the boxes in, which she was such a sweetheart for. Um, so he brings in the boxes (laughs) and he goes, (laughs) he goes, let's play a game. Is my husband going to be mad or, (laughs) or happy? Now I was cracking up, but deep inside I was like, holy shit, like hopefully he doesn't open the bag, um, or I'm sorry, the box full of the new shoes and the outfits I bought from Amazon because I'm pretty sure when he came in, he's like, babe, what are all these boxes? I was like, oh, it's just stuff for the house. I don't know if you guys are finding this as funny as I am, but I just thought it was hysterical. Um, I could not stop laughing. So he goes to open the first box and it's utensils, like eating utensils. So I was like, Phew. Okay, so he goes, skill of madness, one through five, one. And it was just funny. He just went through the whole thing, and it was funny at the time. Maybe that's why I'm finding it so funny, but I, my husband, the thing about my husband, in public, he's very private, (laughs) and people sometimes come up to me and ask me, like, how are you guys a couple? Because I'm so happy, go lucky ray of sunshine, and he doesn't talk. Like, listen, when he has to be social, he will be. Um, but he's, he's just very closed off and just very private in general. So, you know, people usually judge a book by the cover, but like, if you really got to know my husband, he's super, super goofy and super funny and we have the best time together. And I'm so grateful because I actually never had a relationship like my husband and I've learned a lot from him and I've grown because of him and he's just taught me so much. And I think that's what's that's what's beautiful about a couple is that you can both learn from each other and grow together. I mean, he's learned a lot from me too. Um, and I just, yeah, I appreciate him so much and I love him so much. And he is literally my world. Um, and I'm a big believer. Some of you guys might not agree with me. Um, my relationship with my husband comes first before my kids. Um, I have one son now, but, you know, God willing, if we have more, when we have more. Um, because in my mind, like our kids are going to grow up and have their own lives, right. And build their own families. And at the end of the day, it's just going to be my husband and I. So that's why we don't stop dating. We, we enjoy life. We go on vacations and sometimes, you know, uh, Owen will come with us and sometimes he won't. Sometimes, you know, we'll travel and he'll stay with my mom or my baby nurse, whatever, um, family member, like we're not going to leave him with someone with someone random but i think 
in in our relationship, it's so important for us that Owen also witnesses the love that we share. And listen, every couple has their backstory or things that they've been through. And my husband and I have been through a lot. And I think it's more so because we came from different different backgrounds as it relates to how we were both raised. And I think that's why in the beginning when we first started dating and you know, before we got married, we went through a lot of hardships. But thankfully today we are on the same page and we can look back and we came out stronger than ever, you know, because of certain things that we've been through. And I'm talking about like disagreements that we've had in the past. Um, And I also think that a man and a woman don't I don't want to get any people like bashing me here, but their brains are different. They think differently. And this is based off like research. Um, You know, for example, they, I don't remember where I heard this from, but basically you have to imagine a man's brain full of drawers. Okay. Like, you know how there's some drawers that, um, you know, desks or whatever. It's just like a bunch of drawers and you can put files in it. So in a man's brain, um, there will be a file that you open up and it will be work, another file, family, another file, date night, another file, hobbies. And from what I understood and from wherever I heard this from, I don't even know where I heard it from, but I, I, I remember it. It was like in my instilled in my brain. A man doesn't know how to open two drawers at once. If he's opening the drawer for work, he's not thinking about all the other drawers. Whereas a woman can open all the drawers in her brain and think about multiple things in multiple times, like in in the same time, sorry. So I think, you know, when at least I'm I'm being open here, like my husband and I, um, we had so many disagreements about a lot of things. And today we kind of learned to, though we can't see eye to eye on certain things, we agree to disagree because we want to choose our battles, right? Um, And it could be anything like you know, like he used to travel a lot for work and I never understood that, like, because I was never a workaholic, but today I understand what his motivation is and I respect that. So back then, the old Nicole, that's one of the things we would really like not get along about. Like I would like tell him like, again, you're traveling for work. Like, and today I think it's healthy. I have such a different perspective, you guys, about a lot of things, but especially this, I feel like, and again, not everybody has to agree with me. And maybe this is just what works for my relationship, but I feel like the distance makes the heart grow fonder. And my husband and I, we started off dating and in a long distance relationship because I lived in Florida and he was all the way in New York. So today, you know, even that we're both parents, like him traveling for work or like me traveling, uh, with a friend or, you know, when Owen stays with, with Ben, um, my husband, Ben, uh, whatever the case is, I think sometimes it's healthy to be apart from your partner and it just makes you miss them. And And I'm not saying it's necessary, right? Like you have to have that in order to have a good relationship, but it kind of like, I feel like it keeps the spark, the flame in the relationship, you know? And I don't know, maybe that just works for me. But anyways, let's just get right into today's topic. And I feel like this is so important, especially if 
you just found out that you're pregnant or you're about to give birth or you're pregnant in general. And that is how to create a birth plan that's realistic and that works for you. Because not all birth plans will look the same or be the same. And I think it's important to think about what you want in your birth plan, whether you have a doula or not. Um, for me, my doula pretty much set up my whole birth plan. She just asked me the questions and I told her what I was expecting and we talked about different options. Um, and of course, I think it's also important to do your own research because you want to know what certain terms are when it comes to, you know, you being in the hospital and doctors saying certain things. And I mean, I was ready, you guys, I knew everything like all the, I studied everything. Like I was in it, you know, when I watched so many like different birth vlogs on YouTube and I didn't just watch a specific YouTube video or videos when it comes to birth vlogs. That's just what I was prepared for. Like in my birth vlog, I wanted to do like an all natural. And let me tell you that did not happen. Um, especially cause it did end up in a C-section anyway. Um, also, it doesn't help the fact that I had something called irritable uterus syndrome, which 1% of women get. And of course, I happen to be and fall into that 1%. Um, but it is basically where a woman will feel real contractions as if she's about to give birth, but it's just not her time yet. And I had multiple visits to the hospital because I just never knew when that time was going to come. Um, so it was pretty scary. I'm not sure if this is something I will have to go through with my other pregnancies in the future. Um, but it's definitely something that I'm scared to go through again because it wasn't pleasant and it did happen every so often. Um, to the point where even when it was actually time to give birth, I actually thought it was another episode of, this irritable uterus syndrome contraction. Um, but surely that wasn't the case. And of course my son was born, uh, 36 hours after. So, um, yeah, that was my story. So before we get into it, I think that it's important to, um, include certain things when it comes to your birth plan. Um, and I know some of these things might be or seem simple, but it's important to write it down. Um, not just for yourself, but for your doula, if you end up having one for your partner, um, and for the doctors and nurses. And for me, like I made nurse baskets way before I was in labor because my nurses that I had were all amazing. There might've been one that was a little grumpy, but she only, she was when she wasn't around like for too much, thank God. Um, but like, they're the ones that are going to be going to be with you most of the time. I feel like most people think it's the doctor. The doctor just comes in to deliver and catch the baby, right? Or do the C-section. Um, but the nurses are the ones that are with you and will attend to you and comfort you other than your spouse, your partner, your doula, whoever you have in the room with you. Um, I just think that it's important to to know that and for them to see what your birth plan is. And it's amazing. I had amazing nurses because the first thing they asked me when I got into the hospital is, where's your birth plan? Do you have a birth plan? Um, and my doula just handled it all from there. But um, so some things that should be on there is to stay hydrated. So for me, luckily, I was so good about being hydrated and my doula and my husband both took turns <laughs> in reminding me to stay hydrated because 
it will help with your labor and delivery. Trust me, guys, when I say this. And even, you know, when you take that first poop after you deliver, because that's a whole nother thing. That's a whole separate episode because um, we actually have a pelvic floor therapist coming on in the next few weeks to talk about it. So I'm excited. But um, definitely have that written down because even if you don't have a doula or a partner or like, let's say you even by yourself, your nurses should be able to read that and, and help you stay hydrated. Movements and positions during labor. Now, every hospital is different. So I think it's very important, you know, when you are pregnant um, to speak with your healthcare provider or your OBGYN and ask them certain questions like, will I be allowed to be in any position I feel comfortable in? Some hospitals, they tell you, you have to stay in the hospital bed and you cannot move like no ifs, ands, or buts. And it could be a liability issue. It could be something else. I'm not sure. Can't speak for all hospitals, but I think that's something that should be super important um, when you do consider which hospital you're going to end up delivering at. But we're going to go into more detail in a second. I just want to like bullet point some of these things that I think are important for you to know that should be in your birth plan, at least from, from my personal experience. Vaginal and cervical exams. Some women just don't feel like it's necessary. And again, it's your body. So you have every right to decline a vaginal or cervical exam. I find that luckily I didn't have this, but some doctors, they seem to be very pushy because they kind of want to get it done. And again, it depends on what hospital you're in. So I can't speak for all hospitals. Luckily, I, I had an amazing experience. I didn't have to deal with this, but some doctors, they kind of view you as a, like part of a factory. Like, all right, get the baby out so you can find the next pregnant woman. Like the next pregnant woman can take the, the place of the room. It's, I think, you know, it's so important for, especially a woman who just found out she's pregnant and she doesn't know much about anything yet, um, or maybe she does, to do your research when it comes to what hospital you're going to give birth at. And I feel like that will give you comfort as well. Definitely have who should be in the delivery room, in the delivery room, I'm sorry, um, because I can't tell you how many times I've heard um, <laughs> a mom will have like her husband written down or only her husband or her husband and her own mom and then the mother-in-law will come in and be like, well, I should be here too. And it's like, you have to respect what the mom wants and meaning not the mother-in-law, the mom who's about to give birth, the pregnant mom. And I think it's important for that to be on there because if someone does try to come in, that nurse can advocate for you or that doula can advocate for you. Another thing is baby's fetal monitoring. Some moms don't want that. They don't feel like it's necessary and maybe it's uncomfortable because once that fetal monitor is on you, you know, it's that thing on your belly that they kind of wrap around, it's kind of hard to move with that unless you have one that's wireless. And I don't know if all hospitals have that. It just depends on the hospital you go to and what technology they have. So another big thing is pain medication and management option. I think this is so important because, listen, I know it's hard to know what's going to happen because me, for example, I was telling everyone, yeah, I'm going to do it all natural, sounding like a badass. And I think all moms are badasses where, you know, all moms are superheroes and it doesn't matter what kind of birthing experience and what kind of labor and delivery you went through. Like we all are superheroes. And I think 
whatever you decide that's what's good for you is what matters. And that's, I don't care what anybody says. But like for me, I didn't want the epidural. And once I reached like, I believe it was four or five centimeters, I begged for that epidural, you guys. So I almost like ripped that birth plan. <laughs> you have to be easy on yourself because I've met so many moms that they get so disappointed if their birth plan doesn't go as planned or they don't follow it. But you have to remember like we plan God laughs or the universe laughs, whatever you believe in. And I think we like from the moment we find out we're pregnant, we have this thing where we want to be, I, I can't even find the word, like just do it all. Like, yeah, I'm going to do it naturally, you know? And listen, if you feel like that's what you want and you go through it, then that's great. That's awesome. But if you don't, that's okay. It's not the end of the world. What matters is that your your baby comes into this world and that they're healthy and that you're healthy. And if that's the case, then you've succeeded. I don't want to say succeeded because there are situations which, you know, a mom gives birth to a stillborn or, you know, of course there's situations of miscarriages or a lot of different situations, but I think it's important to know. And guys, I'm not going to even get into it because this is a whole nother topic. I'm actually going to have a mom come on to talk about her experience giving birth to a stillborn. I think I've mentioned this before. I will definitely put a trigger warning for that, but I think it'll be beneficial to any moms out there who have gone through that and don't know where to find support. Because let's be honest, when you go through something, it feels lonely, right? Um, but it feels less lonely hearing or talking to somebody who's been through a similar situation you've been through. So that's why I bring on all these different types of moms. And I'm so happy and grateful that most of these moms are so open to coming on and talking about some of these hard topics. But I don't want to get into that now. And remember, all moms are superheroes, no matter what your situation is. So don't stress too much about the birth plan. Have a plan. It's good to have a plan. So you have an idea of like what to expect, do your research on certain terminology, like I've said. Um, but at the end of the day, have it in your mind that this birth plan might not go as planned. And that is totally okay. So there are actually multiple templates you can find when it comes to making your birth plan, or you can just do it from scratch on your own. Um, for, for me, I had, like I said, I had my doula, um, but I've met moms that they would like literally look up on Google, just templates and it had all the questionnaires and they were just able to fill it out. Whereas there were some moms that prefer to just write it from scratch. And again, it doesn't, there's no right or wrong. It's just whatever works for you. So what is a birth plan? Let's talk about that. Firstly, a birth plan is a written summary of your preferences for when you are in labor and giving birth. So like I mentioned before, it'll include things like what position you want to give birth in or what pain relief you prefer and if you even need it and who you would like in the birth room, like who you'd like in the room when you give birth. So I feel like it's a good way to communicate with your pregnancy care providers about what's important to you at birth because once you're in it, sometimes it's hard to speak. Like I'm not sure if any of you heard my segment on my birth experience, which I named it, my, the baby is coming. And I, it was hard for me to talk because of the contractions. 
And when I felt the contractions, the only thing that I felt helped me was making noises like, ah, ooh, and certain breathing techniques that I actually practiced in my birthing classes. So I didn't really have the time to like let people know or the care people. Like, of course I had my doula to speak for me, but if I didn't have her, that birth plan, the birth plan would have been perfect, you know, to just give them. So as I was saying before, researching labor and birth, it's also good to go to birthing classes, right? Because you will be able to ask questions and you will be exposed to different birthing options that you may not have even considered. And that was the case for me. I went to two different birthing classes. And of course, my husband came to those uh, because he wanted to be involved and know as well. And ask your healthcare, you know, ask the healthcare professionals that are involved in your pregnancy care about their views, like what their opinions are. And your your options might be your options, I'm sorry, might be limited by your health, uh, medical history, or where you live. Like it all depends. So it's important to also talk to your healthcare provider. This is another thing, and this might not be so easy just because I find that many moms tend to feel lonely even through pregnancy, unless you have a mom friend who's pregnant with you. But try to talk to other moms. And I'm not saying it has to be friends. I mean, it could be your mom. It could be family members. I just feel like your mom is like, it's a good source, but like, does she even remember? So you have to consider that. But start speaking to family and friends. But also like, try to just contact women who have given birth at the hospital or the birth center that you're going to. You can definitely ask others about how it went and what they would do differently next time. Definitely watching birth vlogs if it doesn't trigger you. And talk to your partner or, you know, your birth companion. Discuss what kind of role that they can provide for you during the labor. So for me, for example, I had my doula who didn't just help me, but also guided my husband on what to do. So he would fetch water. He would, you know, come and, and you know, I didn't mind like being touched. I actually liked it during labor. Like he would, you know, um, rub my back or, you know, hold my hand, things like that. And we just felt like such a connection. It was actually really emotional when I ended up getting the C-section. I started crying and then he started crying and then we both saw each other crying. So we cried even more. It was crazy. It was, it was a crazy birth experience. Um, but guys, I would do it again in a heartbeat only because of the amazing doctors and nurses, my doula, my husband, it just all came together and it just flowed. And it felt good, honestly. I hope my next labor and delivery situation will be the same. Though it's different because I don't know if I should get a doula now that I had a C-section. At first I thought I would do a VBAC, but I think I'm okay with scheduling a C-section next time. So I don't know if a doula would be necessary because from what I understood uh, from one of the nurses explaining to me is that you pretty much come in like surgery, you get the epidural, but you don't feel the contractions. So you feel the need, you kind of feel everything. And then you kind of lay down and they cut you open and it's just like a surgical procedure. It's a surgical procedure no matter what. What I'm just saying is it's it's less intense because you're just like walking in and it's all scheduled I know moms who go like get their hair done beforehand and their makeup done and it's it's amazing you were able to do that. It's also important to read about your birth and well not about your birth because obviously you didn't go through your birth yet but about birth in general, you know, going online, reading about women's experiences, blogs, vlogs, all of that good stuff. I think it's important to develop an understanding of what could go wrong in childbirth so you are prepared and I know 
no one kind of wants to go into it because it's scary, but it's important. It's important to read about because if a doctor might say a certain term, you're not going to be like, what does that mean? <gasps> you're going to know everything. And I felt that. And that's why I felt so confident going into my labor and delivery experience. But listen, you never know. You might you might end up having to have some kind of intervention or, you know, like me, an emergency C-section if, you know, your health or your baby's health is at risk for any reason. So it's something to definitely consider. So I don't know if I mentioned this, but every woman's birth plan will be different because what goes in it depends on what's important to you. And what I might find important in my labor and delivery, another mom might not care for. So a well presented and easy to follow birth plan will allow your carers to see at glance what's important to you and what your preferences are. Um, it should definitely be discussed in advance before giving birth. Because not all nurses, like my nurses, they knew they right away, they're like, do you have a birth plan? What's your birth plan? Not all hospitals or all nurses might ask right away. So list the things that are most important to you at the top in clear lettering. So my doula did everything and I think she did it over the computer. Like she typed everything. Um, if your birth plan is handwritten, this might mean using capital letters. I find that when you use capital letters, it's easier to read. If it's type, use bold font just in case. Try not to make the plan, the birth plan too long. That's definitely a big recommendation because nurses sometimes just don't have the time to sit there and read pages upon pages. Um, I think if I remember correctly, my doula, who's also going to be coming on to interview, uh, she's a mom of two. Um, I'm pretty sure like that it was very short. It's just really important in general to have a birth plan, but again, don't make it long. So labor pain relief. Let's talk about the different kinds of pain relief that you might want to use. And this can include gas. My hospital had it, but I didn't really want it. My husband kind of wanted it because he he thought it would be funny. I'm like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> um, a TENS machine, uh, massage, epidural. It, there's just a variety of, of different types. So you have to do your own research and see what you think you'd want if you got to the point where like you would want to get some pain relief. I think it's also useful to write down your preferred order. So like example, you might prefer to try the gas before you get the epidural. So list that, write that down. So they know because they're not going to read your mind. They're not going to know what you want. So definitely like do your research first. Another thing that's super important is the delivery of the placenta. In your third stage of labor, delivery of the placenta, okay? Um, I don't know if you've ever seen a placenta. <laughs> I have, and it's the freakiest thing I've ever seen. It literally looks like the tree of life, so it's kind of cool. Um, but it's, I was like, that was in me. So if you ever have a chance to look at your placenta, if you're not going to be grossed out, um, it literally looks like the tree of life. It's, 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 it's incredible, but freaky at the same time. Um, surprise people, you know, some women, they take the placenta home and they either eat it, cook it. I don't know. Everybody does whatever works for them. I just told my hospital to take it away from me. Um, <laughs> so you may have an injection to reduce the risk of maternal bleeding or postpartum hemorrhage. Um, so you, you have to write down what you want if this were to happen um, or if you would prefer a less managed approach. Again, it's all about preference and what you 
want to do. It's your body and it came out of your body. Um, so it's up to you. It's your choice. And this is something that you should discuss with your care provider, um, healthcare provider, your OBGYN, like everybody beforehand. This is something I feel like a lot of moms did not include in their baby, I'm sorry, in their birth plan. And that is the baby's umbilical cord. Please write down if you would like someone in particular, such as your partner, to cut the umbilical cord. Um, you can also mention if you would prefer um, to cut it. There are moms that prefer to cut it. Um, just name specifically who you want it to be. You can also mention on there if you prefer delayed cord clamping. So I wanted to do that, but I because I did, um, I forgot what it's called but it's like um, to store all the stem cells. I don't know. I forgot the name. I'm, it's going to come to me. Oh, oh, okay. Via cord. Okay. So I hire them. And I think due to the fact that I am using them or use them, they couldn't do like a delayed cord clamping. So do your research, find out, you know, what works for you. It was more important to me to get that stem cell, you know, God, God forbid, like if something ever happens to my son, we'll have that for him opposed to getting the delayed cord clamping, but a different mom might feel differently. So do what works for you. I always say that. So, uh, what is delayed cord clamping for those of you who might not know what it is? It's basically where the umbilical cord, it's not clamped or cut until after pulsitations have stopped or pretty much until after the placenta is delivered. Delayed cord clamping is an increasingly popular practice, and actually, many services now do this routinely because delaying the cord, delaying the clamping of the cord, I'm sorry, can mean that your newborn ends up with more blood volume than it would have if the cord had been clamped immediately. So, listen, if your baby, if your baby requires emergency treatment, delayed cord clamping will not be an option. So you can have it in your birth plan, but I'm sure it would be more important for you that your child gets treated if, God forbid, something were to happen. Something else is, you should write down, is procedures that you would like to avoid. If there is a particular procedure that you would like to avoid, it's important to list them. These could include an induction, an artificial rupture of the membranes, or the use of forceps. I had in my uh, birth plan, I did not want the use of forceps used at all, unless it was like an emergency. Again, that brings me to my next point. Although your preference may not be to have certain procedures, consider that sometimes they are medically indicated um, for the well-being of your baby. And again, you don't know what might happen. So you got to sometimes hope for the best and prepare for the worst. Another thing, and this is pretty big actually, I think, is the postnatal care. What happens after the delivery? And many moms don't even think about this. So if you're listening to this and you're pregnant and you're about to give birth or you're going to give birth, consider this, okay? Um, firstly, you should check your maternity hospital <clears throat> or your birthing center policy for how your baby will be cared for immediately after the birth. You know, will the baby be checked and tested first? Or will you have that opportunity to bond with, you know, skin to skin contact straight away while maybe the midwife undertakes tests? If you have a preference, write it down in your birth plan. It, it, it should be written down. In some places, newborns are routinely given an injection of vitamin K at birth. 
their first immunization for hepatitis B follows that or happens within 24 hours of the birth. My son got it right away. I didn't want to like wait the 24 hours. If you don't want your baby to have these treatments, it's super important that you and your partner understand why these treatments are given and the risks associated with refusing them. But if you decide that that's, you don't want that, then that's your decision, write it down. But again, find out what the policies are because some hospitals or birth centers, it's become super mandatory. And like for legal purposes, they have to do it. So find out. Feeding your baby, that's another thing. Uh, um, it's important to write down and be clear in your birth plan about whether you prefer to breastfeed or formula feed for your baby because speaking to many moms, I find that the lactation consultants that come into the room after the birth can be a little aggressive. <laughs> um, but if you have it that you don't want to breastfeed and you prefer to formula feed, there's no need for that. So if you don't want your baby to have bottles of formula, just say so. Special needs, so important to include. Um, if you have any additional needs such as mobility or religious or cultural needs, write it down in your birth plan, specifically any support that you require. If you have like, let's say a disability, write about, you know, the kind of help that you might need during the labor and after the birth, mention any special equipment that would help you, anything like that. Um, especially also if you require a special diet during the hospital stay or you would like a certain ritual carried out when your baby is born, have it detailed in your plan, and of course, ask your providers first if this is something that's possible. Ideally, it's best to share your birth plan with your OBGYN, your caregivers, and ask them to go through it with you during one of your pregnancy appointments. And that was my mistake that I didn't do. Luckily, everything worked out perfectly for a reason. It didn't go by plan, but, you know, meaning my son came out and he was fine. But I just think it's important to speak about it beforehand so they know what to expect. It'll give you a chance also to ask the questions that you want to ask and decide together whether your preferences are suitable given your health and medical history. So just talk about your birth plan also with your partner before the birth. It also means that, you know, you'll have someone else in the birthing suite who or room who is aware of your wishes and can help communicate what you want the day of the birth. Um, or if you have a doula as well, that should be communicated as well. And just be open to last minute changes like your health and the health of your baby are the most important thing. So if you find that things aren't going as planned, don't be too hard on yourself. Try to remember like the end goal here and that is to, you know, for you to be healthy and for a baby to come out healthy as well. So I have a template here that I printed from whattoexpect.com and I love their website. And it's it starts off with, and this is a template. So basic information, your name, your support, support person's name, your hospital, the due date, induction date, practitioner's name, um, before labor, your health factors, your plan delivery, your birth team, like who they include during labor. It's like different categories, different sections within the template, um, which is, it just makes it more organized. And what I love about it is that it's short and to the point, it's not long. And it even has a section here where it says like newborn care and it has a lit bullet points. You can just circle like, you know, it says even, it's a, it even says here like circle all that apply or make a note to any if you'd like to avoid. So it says here like once your baby is born, hold the baby immediately after birth, allow the baby time to creep from belly to breast, um, breastfeed immediately, donate the cord blood, bank the cord blood, like all of this is on there. Yeah, I just think it's important to know 
what you want before you even get the birth plan template. Do your research first, but you can definitely take a look and see like what's on there so you know even what to research in the first place. So some women might want to create a natural birth plan. Um, what does it mean to have a natural birth plan? Most people use this term to mean an unmedicated vaginal birth with minimal intervention. But really, birth is always a natural process, I feel like, whether it happens vaginally or C-section, with medication or without. So I just want to clear that, you know, clarify that. I'm sorry. I don't want anybody to think like they're less of a mom because they ended up taking an epidural or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like, again, all moms are superheroes, no matter what kind of birth and labor and delivery we experienced. Um so just just know that, okay? Um, but a natural birth plan is a plan aimed at helping women achieve that goal if that's what they want. Like I wanted that, but I like I was more realistic in my approach when it came to my birth plan. So I had, you know, I had written down for my doula that I prefer not to get epidural. Um, but if I do end up deciding that I want it. I'm open to taking it, you know? So I was very flexible uh, when it came to to that. But then one of my best friends, she she has one, two, yeah, she's on her fifth kid. She has never, and her first set is twins. She's, she's amazing, honestly. She's an amazing mom. Um, she didn't use any, she gave birth at home. The first time I think was at a birthing center, but afterwards she gave birth at home and she even tells me she's like if i could give birth all the time i would i was like what i'll be pregnant all the time i love being pregnant how about this i'll be pregnant and you give the birth and then i don't know if some of you heard the other episode with my sister-in-law she would just love the baby to be delivered to her and she'll have it from the age of one to five so hey that works out right <laughs> no i'm kidding in all seriousness you have to do what works for you you can have a plan but i think it's important to be realistic and like I said, hope for the best and expect the worst. I know that sounds really bad, especially with a birthing plan, but you just never know what's going to happen. And if you go in like thinking everything's going to go, in, you know, how you plan it and you come to the hospital with this approach, like you might be disappointed. So it's important to know that things can change. And also remembering the end result is that you and baby are healthy. So I feel like when it comes to a natural birth plan, um, it's important to keep in mind, like I said, that even though it could be unpredictable, it's okay to be excited to, to have one and look forward to following that plan. So I'm not telling you like have the plan and then be like, oh, why am I even writing this birth plan if I'm going to expect things to not even go through? No, go in and, you know, be excited about this birth plan. But I'm just saying if things do turn around, don't be upset is what I'm trying to say. Another thing that I think is super important to consider is if your healthcare provider tries to recommend an induction. I don't like inductions. When I hear that, I don't. Now, I'm going to have a, a, a planned C section, so a scheduled C section in the future. I'm sorry. So it's pretty much the same. But um, if you're a first time mom, and, or, or even if you're not, um, if you haven't had a C section, or if you're going for a VBAC, which, is, you know, there's always different options. I think it's important to really do your research. And I find that a lot of people don't know when it, so when it comes to inductions, 
there are different ways to induce a woman. Of course, there is Pitocin, which that is the worst kind of pain you can feel because those are, they're basically making you get contractions when your body is not ready to have contractions, right? It's painful, guys. And I remember getting Pitocin while I had my epidural and I still felt it. It was painful. So I can only imagine what it feels like without it. Yeah, it's it's something that I um, a lot of women hate. Um, but I think most hospitals, before they get to the Pitocin, I feel like that's like the last thing that they would do as an intervention. Um, they start with a pill that they insert vaginally. There is Cyotec and there's Cervidil. Most hospitals, unfortunately, don't have Cervidil. They use Cyotec. And the reason being is because it's cheaper. But actually, it's actually super. If you do your research, don't even take my word for it. It's actually very dangerous to use. I feel like, um, I believe, no, I don't feel, I know that that's a pill that they use sometimes for abortions. And this is from sources that I, I have read online. So I just think that it's really important to do your research. Cervidil is definitely the one you want to go to if you end up getting an induction. Cyotech is not the best option and it is painful. So definitely just do your research. Don't even take my word for it. I, I think it's it's crazy that that's what hospitals use, but it is. And just so you know, I'm reading here, and this is based off of Pfizer.com. So, misoprotozole, which is Cyotech, administration to women who are pregnant can cause birth defects. And it's also used for abortion. So, you really have to do your research and know certain terminologies. If you hear your doctor say that, know that that's not, and you have to advocate for yourself or have someone advocate for you because, yeah, I feel strongly about this. There are so many terminologies that it's important to do research from VBAC to um, forceps, um, a lot, a lot. The, the balloon, there's different, like they, there's one that they induce you with the balloon. They basically put a balloon inside you and blow it up. It, like some things I just don't really agree with and some I, I understand, but you have to do your research and know what you, you would be okay with and what you wouldn't be okay with. Because remember these, not all doctors, I'm not speaking for all doctors, but most doctors, it's a factory to them in and out, in and out, you know, that's their job. So be smart, do your research. Don't even take my word for it. Do your own research search up these terms and then go into your birth plan with the knowledge that you have. Um, there are certain things I forgot to be honest, unfortunately, cause it's been eight months, but I'm sure when, you know, I'm pregnant again, I'm going to do my research all over again and, and it will come back to me. Um, but I think it was, this was an important topic to share because a lot of pregnant moms, you know, they don't know these things. So, you know, do your research as well, but also like hear me out and, you know, take all the information, gather it, and make a decision for yourself and what works best for you. And with that, I'm going to let you go. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode. I've heard you, I hope you learned something from it, take something from it, took something from it. Um, and I wish you guys all an amazing rest of your week. And I look forward to speaking with you all next week. Toodaloo. Thank you.